Oh, what a show. Late December, back in 52. No, 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 no. It's not. It's not late December, and we're not in 52. This is modern day right here, a right to now. A right to chair, a right to now. You are on the Harlan Highway. That's where you are. Uh, with me, your host, Harlan Williams, and you are the pavement pounders riding along. And what a show we have today. Good night. Nelly Frittato, go to bed, eat your Teddy Ruxpin with your Frittato face. Um, we're going to be talking about a bonanza at a high school. Some little girl decided to walk into her high school and start handing out cash to the other students. Wait till you hear this wacky story. Um, we're going to be going to the Celebrity Racetrack with Charles Parsley today. We got some incredible celebrities what a what a great race we have lined up charles parsley will be calling the celebrity racetrack uh action as our celebrities pound down the uh street down down the racetrack um we're going to be talking about the impossible most impossible thing to get clean in the world yeah and then we got a great canadian song coming up by the guess who at the end of the show we're going to play it for you and analyze. You're going to have a blast right here on the Harland Highway. Welcome to the Harland Highway. All right, let's get this sucker going, huh? You're causing a major disturbance on my time. It's the Harland Highway. What's up, brah? If I'm here and you're here, doesn't that make it our time? <laughs> I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. Am I hallucinating here? Just what in the hell do you think you are doing? You just made a wrong turn onto the Harland Highway. This is your fucking wake-up call, man. You're riding down the Harland Highway with Harland Williams. In 30 seconds, you'll be dead. And I'll blow this place up and be home in time for cornflakes. Oh, you want to know what one of the, uh, well, yeah, you know, there's all these categories like uh you know uh the the hardest uh the hardest uh substance in the world is a diamond and uh the heaviest mineral is a gold is gold or whatever <laughs> i don't know how accurate any of those are but you know what i'm saying like certain things have certain properties that make them uh what they are and um here's one for you that's gross but do you know the hardest thing in the world to clean is your uh, spatula? You know, the thing you flip your eggs and your pancakes with? Yeah. I mean, uh, how many times have you, like, made scrambled eggs or eggs or something and you stick the old flipper or spatula or whatever you want to call it into the dishwasher and you pull it out? And everything else is sparkling clean in the dishwasher. But the tip, the edge on the front of your flipper has always got, like, crust. It's always got a, a, a strata of crust, a layer of crust that never seems to come off. So you leave it in the dishwasher. You go, all right, I'll put it through the system again. And you put it through another cycle, and it's still there. Am I right? Am I the only one who has this problem? It always seems to me that damn gross egg and pancake flipper 
just can never get clean, especially the front tip, the, the, the tip, the flat tip, the flat edge that makes contact with the fry pan, the, the flat front of it that, you know, snakes underneath a fried egg or moves the scrambled eggs around or whatever. Ugh, it's always, it's like a dirty foot. It's like a, like fungus growing on the end, man. It's disgusting. And ultimately, what I always have to do is I have to, like, get my thumbnail because I'm like, you know what? Good old-fashioned soap and detergent and hot boiling water and a chainsaw just ain't going to cut it. And so what you have to do is you got to get your thumbnail and just, like, <laughs> scrape along the edge and all that dry crust. Whatever the hell it is, plasma, microbes, I don't know what the hell forms on the end of a flipper. And you have to scrape your thumb across and grind it up and it comes up all over your thumbnail and, ugh, gross. And then what do you do? You go ahead and stick it right back in your food in the fry pan. Great. So I don't know what it is about the, uh, you know, the old uh, flipper, the spatula, but like all these other categories in life, you know, Everest is the highest mountain, um, you know, all these things, the grossest and the crustiest I say here today is the spatula. The Harland Highway. Crazy news story. That's weird. Wow. That's strange stuff. I think you're crazy. Yeah, well, sometimes crazy can be pretty good. Check this out, man. Check this out, man, oh man alive. Uh, why didn't I go to this school? Some kid showed up at her school, okay? Showed up at her high school. And uh, she started uh, handing out cash. She's at a middle school. She shows up to class with a backpack stuffed with 20 grand. (laughs) Started handing out wads, giant wads of cash to her friends, the officials are saying. How awesome is that, man? Uh, A 12-year-old girl received money from another child who lives across the street from her parents' house in Taylor, a suburb suburb near Detroit. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the people, the people running, the administrators at the uh, sixth grade school became suspicious when the girl was spotted doling out stacks of $100 bills to her classmates. Some of the kids were given as much as 500 bucks. Why aren't I at that school? I never got that. I had to shell out money to buy a, a stale donut and soggy french fries. No one no one ever handed me uh you know no kid ever walked up to me, "Hey Harlan, here's 500, man. Uh what's this for?" I don't know. Uh, you know, I just I saw you in the hallway, man. So here's five hundred, and 
Here's another 200 just for the hell of it, man. So check it out. This is real. Here, here, here's the news story. Have a listen. It's not exactly an incident schools are used to dealing with, but after a 12-year-old student showed up with $20,000 worth of cash in her backpack, it has a lot of people asking who, what, where, when, and why, including police. Large bills, $100 bills. $20,000 to be exact. It's certainly more lunch money than the average student needs, but that large sum of cash was found inside of a 12-year-old girl's backpack. And that's what brought Taylor police to the 6th grade academy Monday. It had word gotten out to, to maybe someone other than some, some other 12-year-olds uh, that could put her in a dangerous, dangerous position. So how did teachers spot the money trail? Taylor Chief Mary Sclavasi says the student wasn't exactly keeping the cash to herself. The principal became aware of this when the girl started distributing some of the cash to some fellow students. Um, <laughs> as high as $500 to some students. Some got as much as $200. The assistant superintendent from the Taylor School District released this statement. The situation that took place yesterday at our 6th grade academy building was truly an unusual one. We do not have a specific protocol for this type of situation. There was no threat to the student body in the building and the matter is currently in the hands of the Taylor police. We're talking with the family about how this happened and we're glad that this ended uh, safely for her. Uh, and, and that it was retrieved. So how the money got in the backpack? Still a mystery. Police are still working with the students' parents for questioning. In the meantime, the 12-year-old did go back to school today for backpack a little less heavy. Drug dealers! Parents are drug dealers! Oh, 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 oh drug dealer parents! Oh, 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 Charles, oh, Nelson, Riley, yeah, oh, oh. Really? You think maybe our folks might be up to something illegal? I mean, listen, all you pavement pounders, how many of you listening right now lived in a house growing up and your parents kept a backpack full of $100 bills sitting in the corner? I think when, uh, when you run into that type of situation, there's probably something afoot. In the house. Somebody's hiding some tax money or uh, something. Something ain't right. And uh, here's this little kid, you know, goofing around, sniffing around, rooting around in the basement or something. Zip. What the hell's this? Look at all this old money. It's probably play money. I'm going to give it out at school. <laughs> Or maybe the kid was just like, you know, unpopular and like, man, I don't have anyone for the prom. No one sits with me at lunch. No one plays with me. No one talks to me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How about a buyout? How about a payoff? Okay. Everyone gets $500 to be my friend. Okay. I'll be your friend, man. Just for a day. I'll give you 500 more tomorrow. I'm in. <laughs> Or how many of you kids think about it? You're 12 years old. You stumble on 20 grand in a backpack. Now, let's face it. Most 12-year-old kids don't have money. When I was a kid, you, you, you gave me $5. I was like, are you kidding me? Five whole dollars? Oh, my God. And when I was a kid, five bucks bought you everything, man. Five bucks was a windfall. So if you stumble on 20K... 
you know, as a 12-year-old, you don't spend a lot. You, <laughs> you don't have a lot of overhead. You don't have a lot of expenses, right? So wouldn't you just kind of hide that money and hold on to it? Like, uh, you know, find an old tree trunk in the backyard and stuff it in. And it's like 100 bucks a week or 100 bucks every four days. Oh, that would last you right through to your, like, 27, man. Okay, so 12-year-old kid, uh, dumbass, giving away all the loot? What's wrong with you, man? You, you, could, be, you, you could be riding high on that, uh, that loot, all the chocolate bars and bubble gum and comic books your heart desires. Just a thought, man. Well, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna uh, take a little break here. I'm gonna head down to the local schoolyard right now and uh, see if I can't uh, drum up some lunch money. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Charles Parsley, and welcome to the Holland Highway Celebrity Racetrack. We have some wonderful celebrities today waiting to run down the track. We have Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart from the Twilight Saga. Beautiful, wonderful actress. Taylor Swift, singer, songwriter, unbelievable superstar. Daniel Radcliffe from the Harry Potter movies and actor Willem Dafoe. And there they go. They are off. They are off. They are running down the track, charging through the track. There's a little mud on the track. There was some light precipitation last night. And Kristen Stewart is pulling out in the lead. Her long, virile, tight legs hammering the mud, running down the track. And the people are cheering at her, and she scowls at them. She scowls at them. Somehow she can't seem to smile. Her face locked in a permanent scowl. And here comes Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift running down the track. She seems to be slowed down a little bit as she pulls out a guitar. She's, she's pulling out a guitar, and it looks like she's turned to Willem Dafoe and Daniel Radcliffe. She's breaking up with them as they run down the track. I don't know that she ever dated them, but she's breaking up with them, and she's writing songs about them. Daniel Radcliffe, not aging well. He's one of those child actors that started off cute, but now he's looking awkward, strange, and weird, not comfortable in his own skin, and he pulls out his magic wand. He's pulled out his Harry Potter stick. He's trying to do spells on his own face to try and improve his looks. I'm sure he'd be better off if he turned around and tried to fix the face of Willem Dafoe, who's charging down the track, his eyebrows up in the air, his eyes glazed over. He seems to be getting creepier with every stride he takes. His creepy smile... Looking back at Kristen Stewart, who still can't smile. People in the crowd are holding up. It looks like a baby, a little baby cuddled up to a kitten and a little fluffy duckling, and she refuses to smile. Somebody's just held up a baby panda playing with a butterfly. She won't smile. Somebody's handed her a happy face. She's torn it in half, and Taylor Swift looks like she's breaking up with herself. Daniel Radcliffe trying to get better looking. Willem Dafoe's charging down the backside. He's coming in, his face twisted and contorted in a creepy victory grin. Willem Dafoe takes it as Kristen Stewart seems to be 
scowling at Taylor Swift as Taylor Swift breaks up with her, even though they weren't going out. And looks like Daniel Radcliffe has snapped his magic wand over his leg, frustrated that his awkward half-man, half-boy looks are not changing one iota. A wonderful day at the races. Willem Dafoe takes it. He stands in the winning circle with a creepy grin. He's spooking all the horses. The horses are galloping away. An incredible day at the Holland Highway Celebrity Racetrack. I'm Charles Parsley. We'll see you next time. Wow. What a what an incredible race. Holy mercantile. Holy mother of mercantile, whatever that means. Uh, wow, that, that Taylor Swift, how the tide seems to be turning on that girl. She was like everybody's sweetheart, everybody's darling. And now you get the feeling people are just finding her annoying. All her songs about breaking up and all her press interviews about talking about finding the right person and maybe it's me and I don't know. You get the feeling the tide's just a-turning on that little freak. Seems to happen a lot with these these kids that are young, you know? The young kids. Uh, you know, as they as they start to grow into maturity, the the tide seems to turn on them. It it's it's sometimes it's hard for them to make the leap from from that kind of junior fame to the uh grown up fame. Like uh like Miley Cyrus, you know, and uh, people of that ilk. It's like Miley was all the rage, and she was kind of cute as, as like a 12, 13-year-old, but now that she's like kind of making the leap into her 20s, she kind of looks a little manly, a little, little off. Little That cuteness has kind of turned into that kind of celebrity, I wish I was better looking kind of desperation thing and she doesn't really have her show anymore on Disney and it's not like she was overly superly talented you know she she was one of those kids that was created in a boardroom somewhere it's not like she slugged it out in coffee houses and played the B circuit you know singing in the back of a smoke filled crowded room pouring out her heart no this was a this is a little kid that was cast in the boardrooms of Disney and it's like, oh, she's got cute bangs, big blue eyes. Yeah, she'll do. Let's make her into a fictional rock star. And then when the show goes away, what do you got? You, you, your career's based on something that was made up. So how do you sustain that hype, that level? And there's so many kids Young stars that are just left in that waste of guys like Leaf Garrett and, you know, all these kids that, that were superstars when they were like, you know, 10 to like 15 and then boom, it just got really hard. I'm wondering if it'll happen with Bieber, Justin Bieber. If he'll be able to make the leap from kid superstar into adult, I don't know. The kid's definitely charming and good-looking enough that he might be able to do it. He's got kind of those matinee idol looks, so maybe he'll... I, I can see Bieber doing what Justin Timberlake did, you know? All the other guys from, from the you know the boy bands, they never went anywhere. 
But Timberlake somehow managed his career where he slowly transitioned into movies and things like that, and he's not really overly that good-looking. So I have a sneaky feeling uh, Timberlake, or uh, Bieber, 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 will maybe make that leap. I hope so. As you know, if you listen to the show, you know, I don't know how many podcast episodes back, but I met the kid, and like I said, he seemed like a real sweet kid. So uh, I hope he hope he uh, makes out okay. Um, and, uh, you know, and he's a homegrown kid. So, and speaking of homegrown kids, when I say homegrown, I mean Canadian. You know, as you know, I'm a Canadian kid. And... Uh, I wanted to share with you something that uh, that was cool and Canadian, and I, I think you guys will appreciate this uh, since we're here talking about music. Uh, there, there was a band, a Canadian band, a great band. You, you probably know them called the Guess Who, who are a Canadian band. Uh, they sang that song, American Woman. Uh, that's their song. Uh, they sang These Eyes. They sang all kinds of... Uh, Big hits. You'd you'd know them if you heard them. Um, And the lead singer is a guy named Burton Cummings. Uh, Great voice. Killer voice. And this guy was... uh, This guy was um, born in uh, Saskatoon, which is a uh, city... um, Well, actually, I don't know if he was born in Saskatoon. He might have been born in Winnipeg. But anyways, he was a prairie boy. Uh, Saskatoon, Winnipeg... Calgary, these are all cities up in northern Canada in the Prairie Provinces, right in the middle. Um, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and Manitoba. It's like uh, Manitoba is over uh, Minnesota. Saskatchewan is over, like, the Dakotas. And and, uh, I think um, Alberta's, like, over the Montana area and uh, right around there. So anyways, Burton Cummings came from that that region, and um, he wrote a song back way back in the day when he was with the Guess Who called Running Back to Saskatoon. Saskatoon is the big city in the province of Saskatchewan, which is a uh, it's a flat province. It's 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 considered flat from top to bottom. It's just full of wheat fields, and uh, it's like the breadbasket of Canada. And it's full of grain elevators and all this stuff. Very humble place. And uh, Burton Cummings wrote a song called Running Back to Saskatoon. And they used to play it on the radio when I was a kid. And I was like, what is this hokey song about this guy singing about being homegrown and grain elevators? And, uh, you know, who wants to hear this corny stuff? It was kind of cheesy and felt small town and... It didn't really feel rock and roll. But I recently heard the song again, and, and I, I, I listened to it, uh, you know, through the ears of a guy who's now grown up and who's lived in the cities and has seen the world and has traveled the world and, and uh, you know, knows a little bit about life and, and uh, all the pitfalls. And, and this song kind of, uh, there's some real, a real beauty to it, I find, because it... it it kind of takes this singer back to his humble beginnings and uh, kind of a smaller, quieter, more humble place. 
And uh, on top of that, it's kind of a catchy tune. But it really resonated with me hearing it this time around, and I really enjoyed it, and I thought there was a real innocence and a charm to it. And so let me play it for you now. This is a Burton Cummings, uh, lead singer of the Guess Who, singing this kind of a down-to-earth, charming rock song called Running Back to Saskatoon. There's a province up in Canada that's right next door to ours. It's called Saskatchewan. And uh, in that province, there's a small town uh, where nothing much ever happens called Saskatoon. There's a tune about that town. It's called Running Back to Saskatoon.
I hope you had the patience to to stay in there and listen to that song. I mean, it's a charmer. Here's what I love about it. It, it, It's it's so refreshing. You can see why when I was a kid, I thought it was so hokey, you know. Here's this guy singing about this city and the prairies. It didn't really mean anything. But then when you realize that life is uh, more than just about the fast car you buy and the money you make, it's, it's, it's about... It's about where you're from. It's about where you grow up. It's about the little things that, that shape your life. <laughs> and and this song, it didn't really resonate with me till I got older. And I realized that a lot of the charm in life just comes from the simplest things. And, uh, you know, I urge you to go back and listen to this song. But, um, I mean, just great lines like, I've been hanging around gas stations. And then he goes, I've been learning about tires. Like, who writes a lyric, I've been learning about tires? And then he goes, I've been hanging around libraries. I've been learning about books. He says he's been talking to playwriters. He goes, I've been learning about words. And then he yells in the back and goes, and phrases. <laughs> I mean, what a song. And I did a I did a thing the other week about how songs nowadays seem so dead to me. They're all about people hanging out in the club and getting their drink on and looking for bitches and whatnot. And this song just kind of drives home. It, it's so original and, and, I don't know, it's so full of life. He sings about, I've been hanging around hospitals. I've been learning about dying. <laughs> like, that's kind of odd. How about this side? I've been hanging around heart doctors. I've been learning about disease. Like, who hangs around heart doctors? 
And then here's a here's a line that I really love. It's kind of the part of the chorus later on. He he spins a little bit of hometown pride, which uh, I I think is just great. He he starts singing. He goes, "This boy is homegrown. Don't come from Hong Kong." And I think yeah, that's just great. Like he's like, "Look, I'm from here, man. This is where I was from. This is where I was born. This is where my ancestors are from." Well, actually, a lot of his ancestors are probably from Europe, Ireland, England, all that. But but I guess this song came out around the time when uh, Canada was probably more, uh, probably predominantly white, Irish, Catholic. And uh, there was a time in the 80s when the North America felt like they were being in- infiltrated by the Asian invasion, you know, Japanese cars and all this stuff. So... He's like yelling about how he's homegrown, which I think is great. Nowadays, some people might go, "Oh, that's racist," but nah, you gotta let it go, man. You gotta, you gotta put this place in a time. And, and there's nothing wrong with home pride. I gotta say that's something that worries me. You, you, you almost like, should I be guilty that he's yelling he's homegrown and he he's not from Hong Kong? And then I go, well, is there a kid in Hong Kong somewhere going? I'm from Hong Kong. I'm not from Canada or United States. Like, would I flinch if I heard that? No, it's like, good for you, kid. So I'm not going to flinch here. I think it's great. Little little homegrown pride. And then he starts singing about other bizarre stuff. He's singing about he's been hanging around grain elevators. He's been learning about food. And this one kills me. He goes, I've been talking to soil farmers. I've been learning about land. <laughs> like, hold that lyric up to what you're hearing on the radio today. You got to love it, man. You, it's just charming. It's it's so real. It's so like, it. in fact, it's so real, it seems foreign. In today's music climate where people are talking about all the bullshit in life in the world, and can you imagine uh, a modern, like Lady Gaga or uh, one of these boy bands or or even like, uh, you know, Oasis or someone like that or uh, Machine Head or whatever you listen to. Can you imagine a, a, a line? I've been hanging around soil farmers. I've been learning about land. <laughs> Nobody does that, man. You got to gotta love that. You know, he's talking about hanging around camera stores and talking to filmmakers. You heard it. And if if you're kind of iffy on it on the first run through, go back and, and look at it with the perspective of, of you know, how, how kind of phony music is today. A lot of it. Not all of it, but a lot of it's just phony and has has no grounding in reality or ground grounded in experience. Or has its roots in in something, but if if you if you if you feel like it, go back and listen to this song again and really absorb the homegrown feel, the 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 essence of the song. That you know this guy's this guy's done this stuff. He's he's living this and and um, and all the other little lyrics he's belting out. Um, he goes running back to Saskatoon, and then he's like. Moose Jaw, Medicine Hat, da-da-da. Those, those are all little towns he's yelling out. 
There's probably a couple of uh, in the verses there where you're like, well, what is he saying here? Um, but when he does that run, moose jaw medicine and blah, blah, he's, he's, he's actually yelling out little prairie towns that are actually smaller than Saskatoon. They're dotted all over, uh, you know, up in Canada there in the prairie provinces. So I don't know. I might be overanalyzing it, but to me, it's kind of a breath of fresh air. It's something that, as I said, in my early years of life, I just blew by it. I was like, this is stupid. But now that I'm a little older, I find it uh, I find it quite refreshing. But I'll leave it up to you how you feel. Uh, give it a listen. Give it a couple of listens if you want. And uh, I, I hope it uh, I hope it uh, does something for you. Hope hope it uh, you have fun with it. And uh, we'll end we'll end the show right there, man. That that's it's a good place to end on a nice uh, fun breath of fresh air tune, rocking tune. Um, and speaking of running to different towns, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, ladies and snurflertle blurblurgans? Uh, please come and see me in Columbus, Ohio this weekend, uh, at the Funny Bone. Columbus, Ohio Funny Bone. I'll be there April 5th through April 7th. What a great club. Uh, we're going to be doing stand-up comedy, and then at the end of the stand-up, we're going to be doing improv. We're going we're gonna to take uh, suggestions from you people in the audience, and we're going to be doing uh, some sketch comedy, and I, I'm telling you, folks, it's just as fun as the stand-up portion. You're, you're going to love it. Uh, so get your tickets online. Go to harlowwilliams.com. Click on the stand-up link. And make sure you get a seat because this one, every show sells out when I come to Columbus. It's probably one of my top clubs in the country. So I don't want you to be left out in the cold. Uh, and then don't forget uh, April 18th, a few weeks later, 18th through the 21st, I'll be in Kansas, Kansas City. And I will be at the Improv in Kansas. So, uh, again, go online. Get your tickets. And then the following week after that, April 26th to the 28th, I will be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at the Improv. So a lot lot of good tours coming up, man. It is going to be a blast. Um, Don't forget, while you're on the page, check out harlowwilliams.com. Check out our store. You can order your merchandise. We send it out to you. Um and uh, you can call me if you want to leave a phone message, 323-739-4330. Or you can write me at harlowwilliams.com, and uh, eventually uh, maybe you'll hear yourself or hear your letter read on uh, the podcast here. Um, and there you go. My new special, uh, well, it's not so new anymore. It's been out for a few months, but it's still fairly new. Um uh, Harlow Williams' Force of Nature. Get it as a digital download at iTunes or order a hard copy at the website. And uh, that's it, man. We've covered all the bases. I've got to get running back to Saskatoon. And until next time, chicken chow mein, baby. I'll be hanging around great elevators. I've been learning about food. I've been talking to soil.